Broadcasting live from the KVXL studios at Liberty Baptist Church in Las Vegas. Freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. The Frittle Show with Crystal Heath. I've said that we must be cautious in claiming God is on our side. I think the real question we must answer is, are we on his side? Faith, family, freedom. For me, it's very simple. I think we've got to, we've got to get the country back on the right track with the most inspiring agenda. A voice in the desert. Now, here's Crystal Heath. All right. Hey, everybody. We are going to attempt to have a show today. I'm Crystal Heath. You're listening to The Frittle Show on KVXL 11.1 FM, Experience Liberty Radio. Welcome to those of you listening to uh, our podcast edition on iTunes or SoundCloud or wherever you might happen to be listening. Uh, I told you last week I wasn't sure if we were going to have a podcast this week because I uh, I've been out of the office most of the week and just uh, an extremely busy week for me and wasn't sure if I would have enough time uh, to prep. I really haven't had time to prep and that will probably be obvious uh, in today's program, but we will uh, nevertheless power through. So, need to begin with, uh, and this is really why I decided to go ahead and, and take a shot at this today, because uh, an absolute moral catastrophe uh, unfolded on the floor of the U.S. Senate on Monday. Uh, Senator Ben Sass had reintroduced his Born Alive Abortion Survivors Protection Act as a, basically a direct response. If you remember, Virginia's governor, a guy named Ralph Northam, uh, there was a video of him being interviewed uh, by a radio uh, station where he was asked about some 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 of his views on on on, uh, you know, a, a partial birth abortion and beyond, essentially. And he was explaining a hypothetical case in which uh, there, a woman is in labor, and as she's in labor, she wants an abortion, right? And his response to this was, quote, the infant would be delivered, the infant would be kept comfortable, the infant would be resuscitated if that's what the mother and the family desired, and then a discussion would ensue between the physicians and the mother. That, uh, that, that's literally infanticide. This is murder. This is way beyond. Uh, I mean, it, we're not even talking about abortion anymore in, in the traditional sense. And, you know, when, when, you, when you get rid of what God says and when you take out this, this truth that life begins at conception and then you, you want to build on whatever else it is, and I understand that, you know, maybe we can reach some sort of agreement where we can say that life begins when there's brain activity or, or when there's a heartbeat or whatever. Whatever else you want to say, okay, you know, I think that would be a great step in the right direction, but scripturally speaking, we believe, uh, I believe, that life begins at conception. And I believe that science has and will show that. I mean, we can talk about the, the flashes of light, um, but I'm not, I'm not going to get into all of that today because I think y different people are going to differ on when life begins and, you know, whether that be a heartbeat, whether that be conception, whether that be brain activity. Regardless, uh, when you think life begins, for the most part, people have generally thought of abortion as being, you know, up until a certain point, then it is acceptable because at that point it's not a baby. Well, if it's not a baby, like at what point does, do the cells mysteriously become a, a person? 
Like this is something that ultimately we are going to have to collectively as a culture decide uh, where where does life begin? Because at the point that life begins is the point at which life is protected. And up until this year, I don't think there would have been any debate as to whether once the child is physically delivered, we have for sure now a baby. We have a life. I mean, even Governor Northam in his statement said the infant. Not the clump of cells. Not the... Uh, I mean, it's I, I, this is just mind-boggling to me that this is even a, a conversation. Like, the fact that someone would say that. That uh, if a if a mother is is in the process of delivery and decides she wants to have an abortion, well, the infant will be kept comfortable, and uh, eventually die. I, I, can you imagine? Can you imagine being uh, the nursing or, or or medical staff that would have to be in this situation? You deliver a child, and then you literally set the child aside, no care. I mean, it just, it makes me want to, like, I can, I can barely even talk about this because it is just, I mean, it's, it's, abortion is murder, all right? But this is just a whole nother level. I mean, it's not really because murder is murder, but I, I don't, I cannot begin to wrap my head around how you could think this would be acceptable, all right? I, I try to, to, to understand, all right? I try to be empathetic for those that are grown up being taught in a different uh, setting and, and living a different life and growing up with a different worldview to where they don't believe, you know, that life begins at conception or at a heartbeat or at brain activity or whatever else. And that up until a certain month, it's just a clump of cells, so it doesn't matter. And they've never seen, you know, the, the ultrasound. They've never seen that it's, a, that it's a child. They've never been taught that. And so in the womb, it's different. And I, I've tried to, you know, wrap my head around being able to understand that to where, y- yes, we, under- we know that it's, it's still murder. It's still a child. But to how a person could think that it isn't murder because it isn't a child. So granted, I've tried to, in my life, give grace to people who, though to me, it's a very black and white issue and I and I believe with all my heart that it is and that all abortion is murder but at the same time um, understanding that some people literally don't see it that way I think that you have to deny science and deny anyway point being there is no I mean once the child is born once the child is delivered there's no more question. Like, it, there, there's no benefit of the doubt here. There's no, there's zero benefit of the doubt. You cannot deny once the child is born, especially in the specific case of what the governor of Virginia was referring to here, full term, uh, child is born, child left to die. Oh, and if the mother decides then that she wants it, then we'll resuscitate it and go on from there. Just unbelievable levels of evil here but now we've taken it a step further now our senate our senators our republican controlled senate by the way which unfortunately we had two senators that weren't able to be there for the vote um one i think that did not vote i don't remember why she didn't vote um which, and honestly, it wouldn't have mattered because even if all Republicans had voted in favor of this, you needed 60 uh, votes for it to pass. And 44 Democratic senators 
voted against legislation that would have required doctors to give the same care to infants who survive abortion procedures that they would give to any other infant. Including, including if there were to be a situation similar to what Governor Northam had spoke of, that a child literally delivered full term, perfectly healthy, and just left to die. Zero care. 44 Democratic senators voted against this bill. Now, look, I don't tell people who to vote for uh, on this program. That's not my job. That's not we're here f- what we're here for. I just give information. And I want to give you I want to give you some information right now, because I think that you should know the names of people who are running for president. Who voted to let a child born alive be left to die. I think you should know the names of these people because they are going they they will literally they are they have announced that they are running for president. And I don't again, I don't tell people who to vote for. But I think that you should know the names of people that want you to vote for them. That would allow a child to be left to die. Elizabeth Warren, Bernie Sanders, Kirsten Gillibrand, Kamala Harris, Cory Booker. In fact, I, I think that you should know the names of every person that voted for this because you may be voting for them or have the option to vote for them or vote for someone else. In the future. The other senators, Amy Klobuchar, Tammy Baldwin, Michael Bennett, Richard Blumenthal, Sherrod Brown, Maria Cantwell, Ben Cardin, Tom Carper, Chris Coons, Catherine Cortez Masto, Tammy Duckworth, Dick Durbin, Diane Feinstein, Maggie Hassan, Martin Heinrich, Mazzy Harino, Tim Kaine, Angus King, Patrick Leahy, Ed Markey, Bob Menendez, Jeff Murkey, uh, Merkley, Chris Murphy, Patty Murray, Gary Peters, Jack Reed, Jackie Rosen, Brian Schatz, Chuck Schumer, Gene Shaheen, Kristen Cinema, Tina Smith, Debbie Stabno, John Tester, Tom Udall, Chris Van Hollen, Mark Warner, Sheldon Whitehouse, and Ron Wyden. Some of those names you probably recognize. Some of those names you will see on a ballot at some point in the future. And I ask you to consider if your best option is to vote for someone who would allow a child who was born alive, healthy, whole, to, to be cast aside and left to die. You know, I talk about this every... Ow! Oh my goodness. My microphone just electrocuted me. That's a first in the mouth. <laughs> Ow! Wow. Okay. <laughs> now I'm all kerfuffled. My lips are on fire. Um, man, talk about this every election cycle about the importance of thinking through who you're voting for and voting uh, for someone who represents you, who represents your values, uh, whatever they may be, um, and the importance of realizing that 
you know, your vote matters, your vote counts, that we have to give an account to God for the people uh, that we vote for and that we help put into office. Now, of course, um, God is sovereign over all and he puts in uh, rulers, but that doesn't make us uh, any less responsible for our own actions. And so I want you to be aware of this issue and of those particularly, specifically those who are running for president who have voted to let a, a child die that is born alive. And uh, I, it, it just, it's heartbreaking. It's mind-boggling. And you know, I don't want you to just be aware of these people, but my goodness, we should be praying for these 44 individuals who made this vote. I cannot imagine standing before God on Judgment Day without Jesus as my advocate without ever having accepted his payment for my sins and having to answer to God for voting to allow children to die, for voting to murder infants. I, I, I can't imagine it. God is loving, God is merciful, God is gracious, but God is also just. And to have to give account for that decision is unfathomable to me. So I, I hope that you'll pray uh, for these people. And I hope that uh, we as a nation, that our eyes will be opened as a result of this. And I, I you know, as, as horrific and terrible as it is, I believe that it is issues like this one that will, or that are rather, laying the foundation. Not really the foundation because there have been people uh, laying the foundation for years but we're building up to a point where I think that sooner rather than later we will see abortion in all its forms uh, become outlawed. You know, 70% of millennials support abortion limits and only 7% of millennials back the Democrats' abortion free for everyone no matter what all the time. A huge majority of young Americans oppose unlimited abortions. That is now the largest voting bloc in America that opposes abortion free-for-all and on-demand. Seven in ten millennials want to ab limit abortions later in pregnancy. They oppose government funding of abortion. And they, the fifty-six uh, percent of millennials oppose selling chemical abortion drugs. Fifty-one percent say they oppose Roe, although they do not support an overturn of Roe at this point. Just the fact that the majority of millennials uh, are are not in favor of abortion on demand at any time for any reason is a step, a huge step, in the right direction. And 56% of millennials call themselves independents. 20% call themselves Republicans. 20% call themselves Democrats. It's very interesting. And it could signal a huge shift in our country's political future. I don't know which direction that shift will go. I don't know who will catch on and who will, who will capture the hearts 
of these young people because most people honestly <laughs> don't simply vote their brain they vote their heart it'll be interesting to see but I believe that when you have the US Senate rejecting a bill that would simply provide care to an infant born alive or one that would survive an abortion It's, it's going to change hearts. It's going to change minds when people have to say, wait, now we're not just aborting what I think are, and I'm saying in the mindset of these people, not me personally, what I believe was just a clump of cells. Now when the child is born, we're going to let it die? That's infanticide. That is murder outright. And it is heartbreaking when you consider that there are families all across this country who are waiting, willing, longing to adopt a child. And for whatever reason they haven't been able to or, or they haven't had success in the foster system or, or whatever. And a lot of people say, well, we just need more people to adopt. I don't necessarily disagree with that. But I also have many friends who have adopted. My dad was adopted. And I know that adoption is not in any way an easy process or an inexpensive process. And I, it is heartbreaking to me that while there are people who long for a family that either aren't able to have children or, or aren't being able to, to foster or whatever else, that babies... The Senate would rather see babies die than allow them to have a chance at a good life with a loving family. Pray for our country. Pray specifically for these senators who voted for this because, again, I, I just I can't imagine. I can't imagine standing before God and giving account for that decision. Unreal. We're going to take a quick break. I'm Crystal Heath. You're listening to The Fertile Show on KVXL 101.1 FM. Experience Liberty Radio from Liberty Baptist Church in Las Vegas. All right, so the uh, Ben Sass's Born Alive Abortion Survivors Protection Act. CNN does not have a single story on their entire website regarding the Senate's Democrats blocking that measure. Not one story. Now, you may not like the term fake news. You may not like uh, President Trump. You may not like anyone talking about any sort of media bias, or you may think that media bias isn't a real thing. But when there is not a single story on potentially the biggest news uh, website in America about this measure being blocked by Democrats, I, you know, it kind of makes you wonder, could maybe there actually be, could the president be onto something when he says that there is media bias? I would argue that there is. Also related, as Democrats in the Senate are voting to allow children to die Essentially, they're voting for murder. As that is happening, 
They're worrying <sighs> that climate change is going to kill kids, so we should just stop having them. I wish I was joking, but I'm not. Let me tell you about Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, AOC, that bastion of communist liberalism who is taking our nation by storm. And mock her though we may, she is brilliant. And though you will probably hate me for saying this, she is essentially emerging as the Trump of the left. Or at least the Trump of the campaign season and prior. I'm not saying the, the President Trump. President Trump, I think, has done a, a very, very w good job of governing. There are still things that I very much disagree with um specifically in his in his personal past and even in his governing i don't agree with everything he does um you know the debt is a problem the fact that we don't have a wall is a problem the fact that obamacare instills place is a problem and i could i could go on i could have a list for you but that's not what i'm here to do today i think the overall view um what i'm saying is the way he polarized uh, our country the way he um uh, used the media and just captured the entire spotlight. Um, and we can we can go back and forth on that if you want to. I don't want to. All I'm saying is I see AOC doing very much the same thing uh, for the left right now. She is capturing the media spotlight. She is keeping the narrative about her. And, uh, and it's working. And it's effective. And though it may seem crazy to us, remember that when Trump was doing these things, uh, remember what people said about him, okay? So I'm just saying... Um, just because you think this is crazy, and I do, there are people that said the same thing about the opposite and thought that he could never be in office because they thought he was crazy, all right? And I know, I know what you're thinking and what you're saying. You're like, but it's completely different. I, I get that. What I'm saying is if you look at the tactics, if you look at uh, how they captured attention... This is very similar. All right? And that may sound like something you don't want to hear, but it just is. And AOC is in the news again. And, oh my goodness. Okay. On Instagram, Instagram Live to be precise, she asked, she, she, well, she asked a question after making this statement. She said, quote, our planet is going to face disaster if we don't turn this ship around. And so it's basically like there is a scientific consensus that the lives of children are going to be very difficult. And it does lead, I think, young people to have a legitimate question. You know, should, is it okay to still have children? Okay, first of all, I have never met a single person who's like, oh my goodness, the planet... Maybe if I don't have kids, the planet will be around longer. Now we've seen uh, we've seen forced um, uh, forced family limitations, if you will, for lack of a better family friendly term, uh, in places like China and different communist countries, and the experiment of limiting family size uh, as a government mandate has never gone well. Okay, it reaches a point where you're like, please let us pay you to have more children because we realize that we really messed this up. All right, but nope. I don't think that most young people are wondering 
if it's okay to have children because of the climate. Now, I, I've heard concerns about, you know, can I handle this financially? You know, am I going to be a good parent? Uh, am I going to be able to uh, m ensure they have a valid and good education and different concerns like that? But I've never heard somebody be like, I just don't know. I feel, you know, I care so much about the climate and the globe, the planet, that I'm going to do my part for the planet and not have children. No, of course not. Oh, and by the way, actually in China, one of the reasons that China's National Population and Family Planning Commission, uh, uh, one of the reasons they, they gave for their forced abortion mandates was that they were doing their part to save the planet. At a UN climate change conference in 2009, Zhao Beige, the former vice minister of that commission, declared that a strong correlation existed between population growth and China climate change and that China's implementation of a one-child policy for over 30 years lowered the world's carbon emissions. Wrong. Wrong, wrong, wrong. Let's talk actual numbers. You know, those things that some people, maybe AOC, don't actually talk about. In 2015, China released, according to the New York Times, all right? This is not Fox News or The Blaze or whatever other right-wing... In 2015, China released almost 10.4 billion metric tons of carbon dioxide from fossil fuels and industry uh, into the atmosphere, equal to 29% of total emissions worldwide, according to the global carbon budget. That is basically double what the United States emitted in 2015. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, China is not doing its part for emissions. In fact, in fact, the Paris Climate Accord, a treaty which was going to limit global warming, in that treaty, <laughs> China not only did not get limited on their emissions, but they were given the opportunity in that treaty to increase their emissions for the next 13 years from the time of the treaty. So no, China is not leading the way in cutting, uh, in cutting emissions because uh, of their, of their, uh, of their limit on children. And, by the way, uh, <laughs> there are independent groups that say that China is actually under-reporting their coal consumption and emissions. So, not only are they emitting more than anyone else on the planet, they're reporting less than they are actually emitting. They emit more carbon dioxide than the United States and the entire European Union combined. Alright, this is... <laughs> This is not something that we need to emulate. This is not something that is even realistic. And most importantly, how can we take someone seriously? How can we take a party seriously that says, you know what, if we would just have fewer children, that would help the planet. And oh, you know what, it, I mean, if ch kids are going to grow up in a, in a in a world that is miserable maybe we just shouldn't have them at all because that's what she that's what she said it's not simply a matter of uh see, see for china they presented it as oh well we're doing our part 
you will have an abortion because the climate. That was one of the reasons they actually used. Okay, AOC alludes to that, but she says there's a scientific consensus that the lives of children are going to be very difficult because of climate change. Where? where? Can I see this study? Where are the where is this scientific consensus that the lives of children are going to be very difficult because of climate change? What about the lives of children uh, during the Great Depression? What about the lives of children during World War II? Children, like, it doesn't, this doesn't even make sense. Climate change is not making, mm, it's not making it difficult for the lives of children. If anything, it might make it difficult for the lives of parents. If AOC has her way and a Green New Deal is implemented and they get to decide if you're allowed to have a car or not. Like, how are you going to transport your kids? <sighs> but even more so than this, how can you take someone seriously that says that children's lives are going to be very difficult because of climate change? No, children's lives are going to be very difficult because you're going to allow them to be born and then set them aside to die. That is a difficult life. A short life wherein the child is murdered. Okay? That is a difficult life. If Democrats want to talk about children having a difficult life, that is what we should be talking about. Not that scientific consensus says, you know, because of climate change, lives are going to be difficult. No. No. Being murdered after you're born? That's difficult. So in case any of you are wondering, this is nonsense. And it doesn't work. You will not save the planet by having fewer children, okay? So I'll just throw that out there. Also, Psalm 127. Confer it. Lo, children are the heritage of the Lord. The fruit of the womb is his reward. How far have we drifted from this mindset of Children are a blessing from God. God gives you, these are God's rewards to you. Yeah, sometimes you might hate the rewards that God gives you because they're tearing up your house and writing on your walls and throwing up in your car. But they are God's rewards to you. And we're like, yeah, no, I think, mm, not interested in God's rewards. What? Why? Blessed is the man, the Bible says, that has his quiver full of them. Now, I don't know about you, but my dad always said if he was going to battle and he had a quiver that had arrows and those arrows were what he was taking into battle, he wanted more than one arrow. That's why I wasn't allowed to be an only child. And I'm so glad that that was what he thought. And so my parents made the decision to have as many children as God gave them. I have four siblings in heaven. My mom had four miscarriages. So there were 11 of us all together. And I understand that not everyone uh, thinks that way. Not everyone feels that way. And you can have a different conversation about that. I'm just saying that that's what my parents chose. Because they said, you know what? If, if this is God's reward to us, if this is God's way of blessing us, then we're not going to cut off God's blessing to us. That's what they decided. And I know people... <laughs> strongly disagree with that all I'm telling you is that that's what they decided based on what they believed God says in his word 
They weren't worried about climate change. They weren't worried about climate change. They're like, God's going to bless us. Let God bless us. Psalm 127 finishes by saying, He shall not be ashamed, but he shall speak with his enemies in the gates. It's a pretty cool chapter, Psalm 127. We learned it with hand motions when I was a little kid. By little kid, I was probably like 14. Sorry, 14-year-olds, you're not little. Didn't mean it that way. I meant comparatively to the age that I am now. It was like 20 years ago. Someday when you're 20 and you say 20 years ago, it won't work. But when you're my age, you can say 20 years ago and it'll work and you'll be like, I'm so old. Alright, so enjoy your childhood while it lasts. It's not difficult. Don't tell your parents that you're having a difficult life because of climate change. Because if they do, um, or if you do, they'll probably level out some uh, actual difficulty into your life. If you know what I'm saying. Alright, we're going to take a break when we return. The North Carolina bill that is ridiculous. Coming up next. Don't go away. All right, so North Carolina legislature, legislature, lawmakers, North Carolina lawmakers are considering a bill that would change the school grading system, according to WCNC, which is an NBC uh, affiliate in uh, North Carolina. Now, you should understand that this new scale would apply to the grades that schools receive based on their performance. It wouldn't change the scale used to grade students. And this is the part that is not fair. Life isn't fair. I know that. But a new bill under consideration by the state of North Carolina would adjust the current grading scale, making a score of 85 an A and a score of 70 a B. A C would become a 55, a D would be 40, and a failing grade would be anything below 40%. The previous scale used for schools was the 10-point scale similar to what most students experience, meaning you would need to score 90 for an A, 80 for a B, and so on. Except it was even more lenient than students because you could get down to 50%, I think? 60? 60%, I think, was a failing grade. Anyway. I don't think that students should be subjected to being graded at a different scale than their schools. If your school is getting a passing grade at 40%, then why shouldn't the students also receive a passing grade? At 40%. Now, I don't. I, I think that's outrageous. I don't think that a student should pass at 40%. Obviously, that is not even... Uh, that, that, is, that is a majority of the questions wrong. Okay? But if a student needs 70% or 60%, depending on what the school may be, but we'll say 70 for the sake of argument. If a student needs 70% to pass then a school should need 70% to pass. I mean, call me crazy. I'm, I'm not a parent, but I feel that if my school is getting a 40% grade from the state and passing, like, oh, you're, yeah, you're, you know what? You're not the best, but you're good enough. I would not be okay with that. If it's, if it's not acceptable for the student, how can it be acceptable for the school? 
just my thought. And if I was a student in North Carolina, I would be like, oh, no, if you are changing the school grade system, um, then you are changing uh, my grade system. If the school only needs 40%, then I should only need 40%. I, I don't think that that is the answer, by the way. I'm just saying if I was a student, that is probably what I would be lobbying for because I would be like, yeah, no, guys, this is not acceptable. Absolutely not. But, you know. Maybe that's just me. All right, and that's it. We're going to have a... I'm going to wrap things up here. We're just going to go with a shorter edition of the show today. Sorry for those of you that wanted more of my rambling commentary and you're like, but you didn't talk about Michael Cohen's hearing yesterday. I don't feel like it. <laughs> like, it's just, a, I don't... It's We didn't learn anything sp particularly new or exciting uh, him and Jim Jordan had some words, uh, went back and forth. It was very heated uh, for quite a while. Um, you can go and watch highlights of it if you want to, but I I think it's honestly a waste of your time. Again, I don't think that we... I don't... I don't. If I felt it was necessary to talk about it, we would talk about it. I just don't. Um, as far as uh, the president's uh, meeting with Kim Jong-un in Vietnam, uh, they had a cordial dinner last evening. They have more conversations happening today. But uh, for those of you that listen to the live edition of the show, you understand that we are broadcasting uh, first thing in the morning. And I don't have all the information that I would need to have to make comments on that event. So if you're listening to the podcast later or uh, the evening rebroadcast of the program, you might be like, yeah, but we know all this stuff now. Well, I didn't know it when I <laughs> recorded. So we were not able to like I can't I'm not going to comment. I'm not going to speculate on what I think is going to happen. And then um it's just I'm, I'm that's not that's not what this program is about so that's why we didn't get into Cohen and that's why we didn't get into the Vietnam summit maybe next week after I have time to catch my breath uh and uh, and settle back into the routine here but uh, it's March tomorrow people it is March one of my favorite holidays of the entire year and you're gonna be like <gasps> no don't be like that that's not what I'm saying but uh St. Patrick's Day and you know why St. Patrick's Day is one of my favorite days of the year not because we get to wear green, not because of any other reason you're probably thinking of, but because of the story of St. Patrick. It is one of my favorite stories. The stories of Patrick and the story of Valentine are two, I think, of the least told best stories uh, in, in Christian history. But uh, we'll get into that, I'm sure, as we get closer. But uh, March already. Who'd have thunk it? The calendar, of course, and anyone who looks at it. Okay, fine. Whatever. You guys are better than me. I get it. <sighs> Tomorrow is Friday. Tune in. I'm going to give some stuff away. We will have a fun Friday episode. Uh, no politics, just crazy news stories, things you may not have heard, things you will not hear anywhere else. So be sure to join us for that. If you are on Facebook or Twitter, you can find me there at The Friddle. Or if you would like to follow our radio uh, social media pages, you can look, uh, look us up on Facebook by using our call signal, KVXL. Or those are our call letters, or our uh, slogan, Experience Liberty Radio, or you can type in 101.1 FM. All of these things should help you find our Facebook page. We're also uh, on Twitter. Or you can visit our website at kvxl101.com for 24 hours a day live streaming of this broadcast. And don't forget, subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, and SoundCloud. Just search for The Frittle Show. Thanks again for being with us. Hope you and your family have a great day, and we will see you back here tomorrow on KVXL.